Welcome back to the Thoughtful Dad Podcast, co-hosted by Wesley Schantz and Joe Worthy. We hope you've been enjoying our take on fatherhood and the liberal arts, learning that is appropriate to free time and free people, a perspective universally available now thanks to media, be it YouTube, podcasts, but what do we do with all this stuff? The challenge is using leisure time wisely, finding time for it in the first place. Quiet space, reading and listening as if we were reading a book, though we're probably not, and of seeking wisdom, so difficult to measure, but no harder than being a dad. Hey folks, welcome to the Thoughtful Dad Podcast. I'm Joe. I'm Wesley. And we are two thoughtful dads most of the time. Oh, all the time, but just not always right on time. Sometimes <laughs> right. a little bit a little bit after the fact. Yep. So today, um, we're gonna talk about hanging out with our stubborn kids, singing, dancing, and Halloween. You know? We're learning a lot of stuff in both our households, so we'll talk about that. And then in the leadership portion, we'll talk a little bit about intensive versus, quote, free-range parenting, and just compare the two. And we see where we'll fall on either of those. Oh, I I have some thoughts about that, for sure. Um, and yeah, we were talking about maybe we would bring up a few articles and things today, but we were thinking we'd try to just more focus on our own experiences and musings and anecdotes and all that good stuff. Not that it's, you know, it's good to have other people's experience that we bring in and things that y'all can look up on your own and read for yourselves. But after all, this is mostly about me and Joe getting to talk to each other. So that's what we're going to do. That is the point. <laughs> so Wes, what's been going on? What news do you have? Hanging so out with your stubborn kid. I, yeah, I was thinking about how to dig into this with you, but last night William had a really big event. He was at the Halloween party for my school. This is like the big fall event here. Um, we don't do a homecoming. We don't do a lot of the normal kind of school stuff. But in place of that, this school where I work does a really big Halloween party every year. Now, last year was a little bit like they were trying to bring it back because they hadn't done it in a couple years. Mm. But this year, they had kind of worked out the kinks. Like, for example, last year, as soon as we arrived, and we brought William too, but the smoke alarm was going off because the smoke machine that they were using had been a little bit too realistic. Let's oh, no. <laughs> they were like evacuating the building as we got there, as it was supposed to be starting. But this year, that did not happen as far as I know. We got there way early. That was a little annoying, um, but I was told we had to since we were participating in the haunted house. So it was like five o'clock or something. And then it turns out that the dance and everything didn't even start for like two more hours. So <laughs> William was a little antsy, let's say. He was like pulling out the yoga mats uh, when they were trying to do their big like huddle and getting everybody prepared and like the final push to get things ready for the haunted house and the dance. Um, he was just like playing off to the side with this yoga mat and a bunch of um, board games and stuff there. So we took him on a walk. Uh, we had plenty of time or so we thought. So we went and got some dinner and that was lovely. Like we ran into a couple of people actually who we know from his daycare, right? Just like happened to be they're like neighbors as well in that area. So they happened to be at the restaurant. They got their food a little bit before us, but not too much before. So it wasn't like too awkward, you know, <laughs> but they, they have a couple of kids and their kids were running around and William was running around and we chased him up and down the sidewalk a lot. And then eventually our food came, we ate, we went back just in time for the haunted house to get started. And look, so William has been so excited, like for the past month or so, he knows Halloween is coming and he wants to be a ghost. He wants to be a ghost. He wants to be a ghost. <laughs> he practiced his like ghost noises and when to make them scary and when to make them silly. And he lets us know when is, you know, which was, was which, but they sound the same to me. Like they're all basically the same. And we made his costume and he could not stand still for us to like cut the eye holes for him or like it was so frustrating um, to get this costume made and it ultimately it looks like trash i mean it's just like a sheet with eyes in it and and hand holes but okay so we finally got the costume made it has like a little hat that like 
scrunches onto his head so that it stays in place and it's like clipped to the hat and he has his hands through the handholds. Great. Okay. So we f- like wrestle him into his costume. <laughs> um, and then we have our costumes on, which of course are pumpkin. William is a ghost and we are pumpkins. So Stephanie <laughs> and me, we have our pumpkin shirts on, orange shirts with pumpkin faces on them that she found at a thrift store. Mine like rides up really high, like a midriff, you know, it's like not really fitting me, but, <laughs> and hers, uh, looks a little bit more comfortable but she of course is like so tired by that time of the day so she's just like at her wits end trying to chase him around but all right we're all in our costumes we have our little room set up with a bunch of uh, little tiny pumpkins that we brought and somebody brought like a inflatable spider that's like you know going over there in the corner has a little light on it Um, and we are the final room of the haunted house all the kids get scared on their way to us. Like they do all the scary parts. And then we're just like the chill. Okay, everything's fine. You made it. You survived the haunted house kind of room. So, so we were a little worried at first that William would like get scared. That was my concern. And that was what mm-hmm. we went in like mentally prepared. Okay, he's going to like freak out. Somebody's going to scare him. Um, but no, he loves everyone's costume. And this is like nice. very new. Like he used to be so sensitive, so scared of everything. Like we talked about dogs mm-hmm. barking scares him, right? But no, this night he was like, all about it. He loved the kid who had the scream mask on and he loved getting to do like high fives and say hi to all the kids um, who had like scary, like they were dressed all in black, like the black hood over their face or mm-hmm. um, there's vampires walking around and a Dr. Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster. And no, he just ate it up and, and he started telling us like, no, I don't want to be a ghost. I want to be a vampire. So <laughs> The night of the haunted house, he's like over his costume. He does not want to be a ghost anymore. (laughs) He doesn't want to be a pumpkin either. Like we offer to trade him costumes. No, he wants to be a vampire. So I don't know where that came from, but it's just like, you can rest assured, I guess, that whatever you plan is not going to like happen the way you expect, right? That's, (laughs) that's just like a, a basic rule, um, an iron rule of parenting, I would say. And the longer that you like build up to a thing and the more sure that you are that it's going to go wrong in the way you expect it will go wrong, it will go wrong in some other way. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like a corollary of the rule. But so it's okay, though. It's fine. Like he's still having a good time. He's still happy. And we get our first batch of kids coming through and he like is, you know, interested in seeing them, whatever. But then he starts to like do some more intense like dancing in his costume and like waving his hands around and like spinning. And Stephanie has this on camera, actually. Um, there's a point where he's spinning and he's spinning too fast and he loses balance and he just like clonks into the floor. Um, <laughs> the classroom floor is like tile, you know, it's like very hard. And he starts crying really bad. And it sounded like he whacked his head. It was like a clonk. Oh, no. um, but then he got up and it was like, no, it's my arm. You know, he's crying about his arm. Hurt. Um, so he got it together pretty quick, but she took him on a walk then um, to go find some cupcakes because they had cupcakes at the dance. And um, so he comes back with his cupcake. He's fine. Like he is, again, quite happy. He's he's eaten a ton of butter noodles from the restaurant and fruit. And he drank a ton of lemonade and he's got his cupcake. And he is totally content. But you can he's like flagging. He's really, really tired at this point. So he eats just like the frosting off the cupcake. And then he gives it to me so I can eat the rest of it. And she takes him home. So he basically maybe did his role at the haunted house for like five minutes total oh, no. <laughs> the rest of the time he was just like the the rock star who like everyone was happy to see because um and i'll talk about this later but i've talked enough uh for now he is the star of all of my um, math problems that i give whenever i make up math problems they're about william nice they're william based <laughs> okay <laughs> so so you know there's there's problem-based math and then I've taken it a step further and I have William-based math. Um, so the kids all recognize him from the pictures and stuff. And they were really, they're really sweet. They're really nice to him. Nobody scared him. He did himself a little, a little, uh, a little damage, but nothing too bad. Um, he didn't even mention it today. And yeah, he's just like super weird lately. And, and we'll get into this, I guess, but like so stubborn, wants to do everything himself, like will not you know, just, just contrarian to the nth degree, like (laughs) anything that makes sense. No, can't happen. Has to be like some weird thing instead, but yeah, but still certain things do work like turning on some um, songs on YouTube on the big projector really like got his attention, calmed him down, kept him from running around as much. But then that's just like, 
he just like gets sucked into that and then of course it's over he's not gonna like participate anymore in the rest of the games and stuff that was last night that was our (laughs) halloween party (laughs) we'll see what happens halloween night and a couple nights here whether he'll don the ghost costume once more or if we have to make him like a last minute vampire thingy or or what we'll see yeah how's so how's how's halloween treating you guys sounds like you're gonna have to make a trip to spirit halloween uh, i will not go i will not buy <laughs> we'll go to a thrift store yes we will not go to any are you spirit. against buying halloween yes. costumes wesley yes i am i am temperamentally <laughs> opposed to buying a new co- i will buy a used costume that is a I will strong buy a- yes wesley <laughs> yeah why would you buy a new costume like unless you're like trying to win some kind of contest i guess but that even that seems like kind of no, it's all about the DIY. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Halloween week has been fun. Shelly has not wanted anything to do with any of the planned Halloween arts and crafts. So of course. all that's not didn't happen. <laughs> Maybe Monday I'll get her to paint this trick or treat sign that she really wanted to do. But she just has not been very interested in it. So Shelly and her classmates at dance class got to wear their costumes this week to dance oh cool um, so shelly for halloween chose to be mirabelle from encanto that is um, a great costume it suits her yeah in our family we just go to the store <laughs> so <laughs> basically took shelly to it's either we'll either go to spirit of halloween or party city and just pick a costume you know, and she chose Mirabelle, which I was very happy about. So I was like, okay, let's do that. <laughs> and she looks super cute in it. Also, um, this week, uh, Shelly got fitted for her dress code at dance school. Mm-hmm. So they have to, they, they dress them by skill level, right? So all the little girls have to wear these like pink tutus and Shelly picked out this tutu. I knew that that was the one that she wanted to pick. And I warned this woman, I was like, she wants that one. You know, she's like, okay, we'll try it. I don't know if it'll fit though. I'm like, we all better pray it fits. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because there were some with like sparkles and then there were some like more like with ribbons and she wanted the one with like these like lined with ribbons. Mm-hmm. And like when she sets her mind to something, you know what I mean? Like, so luckily it fit. It was great. It was maybe a little, she'll be able to grow into it, but it fit. And then they fit her for the ballet shoes and they fit her for um, her tap shoes. And she was like super pumped about the tap shoes. Like oh, that's all fun. she wants to do is walk around in her tap shoes. <laughs> and she just clicks them on the floor and... Whenever it's time for the tap section of class, she is very, very engaged. And like, even more than the older girls, I think, like the the four-year-olds, like she is very engaged and trying to get it exactly right. The way That's the teacher cool. <laughs> um, tells her to do it. <laughs> it's really funny. So on Thursday night's class, she wore a Mirabelle costume. To this morning's class, she chose to wear her tutu and... That and this class had the tap portion in it, and so um, that's what we did today. We were planning on going trick or treating on Monday. Do they do like well, if they would have done it, like do they do it like tomorrow night or do they do it on Monday for you all? This is a great question. We are planning to go Monday night because, as far as I know, people around here celebrate Halloween on Halloween, no matter what night it falls on, and there is probably good reasons that that shouldn't be the case like it would make more sense to do like you know the saturday of whenever Uh, but but i don't i don't think that people have like quite got there agreed on that so yeah so halloween's a pretty big deal around these parts not like like big deal like people go all out for halloween here decorating um decorating downtown that was a small town, right? Everyone participates in Halloween, but like over the top. Like people are like some people have DJs on their mm-hmm. porches and they're playing like, you know, like obviously like the classics like Ghostbusters and, and stuff like that. Um, strobe lighting, like everyone wears a costume and people go like all in on their costumes. People have like spiders all over their houses and stuff like that. People are riding around on their 
hoverboards or whatever people go all out and people don't really believe me but like every year i sort of like make a video of it you know i don't make a video apple makes the video i just take a bunch of pictures and videos and then apple says here's how your halloween went and everyone's always like it's literally like halloween in the movies and it is so we are super excited for shelly to be more conscious this year last year she was elmo and she was just more like i'm just going you know, I'm just here for the candy. I think this year she'll be there more for the experience and we'll see how it goes. It's either going to be really fun for her and she'll appreciate the costumes like, like William, or she'll be freaked out and she's like, I'm ready to go home. Yeah. Um. So it should be, it should be pretty fun. And we usually get together, like family gets together and everyone goes downtown and does the the trick-or-treating and i have sort of have a rule like you know on halloween you can eat as much candy as you want i don't care oh yeah you know go ham like (laughs) yes and so you know the rules are there are no rules for (laughs) top turvy night yeah for halloween so we're all super excited you know of course there's always the looming coming of the baby so Mm. you know We'll see how that goes. But for now, we're all planning on going down to Halloween yeah. um, and doing that. You stuff. got your New Year's baby. You're going to have your Halloween baby. Yep. Looks yep. like more, maybe more likely to be a Halloween than a, than a Thanksgiving baby. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's like. Nice. Um, oh, yeah. Halloween's yeah, so huge around here too, man. But our particular street doesn't get trick-or-treaters. Like nobody really comes to our street. Um, everyone goes to like a few neighborhoods around town. I don't know about you. Do you guys get trick-or-treaters where you are? Or do you, since you're out anyway, like, I guess you wouldn't know. Yeah, we're kind of out in the middle of nowhere. So I don't think, I think like, like one time, like back before we had any kids, like a car on Halloween, like drove up our 200 foot driveway and got out and it was like, are you doing trick-or-treating? I was like, uh, well, if I guess I would have if I would have known people would have made the drive, but no. <laughs> <That's> so random. <laughs> yeah. But when we did live in the city, we loved doing Halloween and having the kids uh, come around to the house. That was always really fun. Yeah, so that's what we're doing. That is the weirdest thing. I've never heard of somebody like driving up to a stray house out in the country just to see yeah. if they're maybe doing Halloween. No, like around here, it's, it's like the neighborhood around – the park where we used to live, actually, we used to rent the basement of this house um, that faced this park. And it's like a old fashioned um, horse track is what it used to be. So it's like this big oval. Um, and now it's just a regular old you know, park with playground and grass and trees and stuff. And so all the houses around that get like constant streams of kids. Like everybody goes there mm-hmm. who are in this half of town. And then everyone who's on the other half of the riv- other side of the river basically goes up to the hill to the other really nice park where we had our wedding. And all around that area, there's just tons of people. So it's like two kind of epicenters. And then yeah. basically uh, everywhere else is, is pretty quiet. But we've never like gone out downtown. So I don't really know what they would do. I saw some stuff going on today in the park. But William was basically like falling asleep in the stroller, so we didn't go explore it. We just let him take his his nap. So yeah, yeah. Well, so there's you mentioned like the the feeling of Halloween and the way that it's portrayed in movies, right? Like the mm-hmm. the classic like Halloween experience. Do you have a favorite Halloween movie? Do I have a favorite Halloween? Um, don't laugh at me. I will. I will definitely Hocus Pocus. People, there's definitely like a revival of Hocus Pocus (laughs) these days. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I was more excited for Hocus Pocus two than the kids were. (laughs) Like, I was like really pumped. I'm like, where are they going to go with this story? Like, what's I mean, you know, (laughs) what are they going to do with it? But I don't know. Like, there's just those movies from your childhood where you're just like, this movie makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. You know, like I could watch it over and over and over again, and it's just one of those movies that just like it's evergreen. Like, oh yeah, it's um never gonna get old. But the new Hocus Pocus is great because they have like a spin on the injustice of like the Salem witch trials. Oh, so they get <laughs> into the justice. Stuff. Yeah, so they get uh, into that part too. And I was like, well done, well done. Oh, you wow. know where you're at. You know. So, <laughs> okay. So, uh, that was good. How about you? 
yeah, I haven't seen the new Hocus Pocus, so I may be changing my answer before too long when I do. But as soon as you said that, I immediately thought of Donnie Darko, which isn't like maybe a traditional Halloween movie. But no, it is Wesley, like that is not. <laughs> but everything Halloween. leads up to the Halloween party. Like it's about it's about a time traveling, you know, time dimension weird stuff. Um, but it all centers on on Halloween, and so I'm gonna say that's my favorite one. And I know that that's a weird, different kind of movie. Kind of a, I don't know if it's as evergreen. Like I don't know that I would want to watch that over and over so much. But once enough time has gone by, yeah, I do like think about it, and I'm like, huh, it's like a really interesting movie. It has such interesting characters, and just like so little moments from it like stick out to me. Like right now, as a dad, the part that's sticking out to me is not the Halloween party so much. As when they have their project, you know, there's this part where they're making their project and their project is about like making some kind of VR goggles essentially for um, babies to wear because their theory is like, you know, babies aren't really doing much. Um, they're sleeping a lot of the time. So we're going to make these goggles that'll help them learn when they're otherwise just kind of sleeping. Right. Mm-hmm. And it'll like show them soothing images that will you know, soak into them and like make them very calm and happy little babies. Right. And they won't freak out and cry as much. And then their like very wise, you know, science teacher or whatever points out that so maybe actually what looks like the baby doing nothing is like really important um, learning time in its own right. You mm. know, that they need that silence, that quiet. Maybe they even need to do that crying and fussing that they do because it's like helping them process or regulate or or you know, learn in some way and grow in some way. And and the kids are like, huh, like they never, obviously they never thought of that. Like this is classic generational difference, right? Where the young people know everything, of course, right? Mm-hmm. And there's like, obviously all these things that they should change and, and improve. And then the older generation comes in and says, well, you know, maybe you don't actually know so much about that thing. And so uh, I, I just, I think about that a lot with William doing things that seem totally, for lack of a better word, just dumb just super dumb <laughs> yeah. uh, he just does stuff that is so like spinning around so fast that he loses track of his balance and like clonks himself on the floor right like what are you doing kid um all you gotta do is do this boo noise that you've practiced over and over that will you'll be super cute and it'll cost him like stop <laughs> but but of course um like maybe that is something that he's you know he's pushing those boundaries he's finding where uh, consequences exist and don't exist. You know, he's finding out stuff for himself that's important for him to know. So I don't know. Anyway, I'm trying to um, trying to turn the corner here into learning mode and, and thinking about, you know, my perspective versus the child's perspective. So, so the things that I've been learning lately, I would say, because I can't speak for William, but I've been learning a lot about uh, math and computer science and stuff that I'm teaching at school right now that I've never taught in and definitely never taught in this way, I would say. Stuff that's super interesting. Like right now, we're developing our next quarter's class, and it's going to be all about artificial intelligence. So and I mentioned the other day about like, who knows what the future is going to hold, right? Like maybe we will be all genetically engineered and we're going to have a totally different experience um, than anyone in human history, essentially, right? Like it's possible. And obviously other things, other unknowns factor into that to do with climate and other kinds of conflict that might pop up and whatever. But but a piece of that, a big piece of that is um, what computers are going to be like. You know, I don't know how much of this news you've been seeing, but like there's major advances in AI that have kind of suddenly come on my radar, at least um, like oh, like now you can just use this free thing that will create art for you, or it will create music, or it will uh, translate a language, like like a voice, and then it will like speak that language for you. So there's like all these really impressive things that are showing kind of where this technology is headed um, pretty quickly here. And so we're trying to form our next project around the students really digging into some of that news and some of that like the history behind it, like where did this technology come from and then see where they think it will go or where they hope it will go or where they're afraid it might go. So kind of look towards the future, which is, of course, pretty immediate for them, uh, hopefully. You know, it's hard to tell what they think about, but I 
my hope is that it's like interesting for them. They'll get into it. Um, so I'm that's what I'm kind of learning about right now on a non-William-centered sphere. But how about you? What uh, either about kids or about just other stuff for work well, or for whatever? About AI, like yeah. So there was an article a while back that like this Google, this former Google person, yeah. um, talking about like how some of the AI is becoming sentient. Mm-hmm. I think is the word. Mm-hmm. Um, he said he asked the computer what its biggest fear was, and it said being turned off. Oh yeah, WTF? Like stop. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, like I, this AI stuff is getting a little out of hand. Is and, that the fear, right? That they're beginning to be too sentient, too human? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And um, you know, I like my AI's clunky. You know, I don't <laughs> want these like lifelike things. But I mean, it is. It is a worrisome thing. And I think I'm thinking one of the books that me and KJ have read together in the, in the past, like philosophy for kids, you know, they pose some of these questions about like oh, yeah. artificial intelligence and like, is it actual intelligence? And is it like person, you know, what's a person versus a human, right? Mm-hmm. Personhood, humanhood, you know, like how do you balance these things? And, you know, our minds are collectively blown you know, but still, when these th- comes up, it brings me back to these like really like, ethical arguments. So, but speaking of KJ, you know, he is really into music. He we bought him a a keyboard, I think last year for Christmas. You know, while we're on the holiday season, and um, he's getting more and more into it. And we know, well, speaking of AI, you know, they have all sorts of ways to teach you how to do things oh yeah so i was marketed to and i took the bait you know <laughs> this week i researched it but we, we started using flow key today and basically it is artificial intelligence that teaches you how to play the piano and so i reviewed it um to see if it i get i guess if it was like a real teaching tool you know, and not sort of like a play thing, but it does seem to um, follow the basic building blocks of like, this is how you learn things. And so I was like, okay, cool. So like, we'll try it out. And so, you know, I set it up for KJ and we started using flow key. Um, and eventually he sort of wrote me in and I started, you know, like doing it too. And my hands and my forearms are like ridiculously sore right now like (laughs) i wasn't even doing it that much i can't imagine like how sore he is or maybe he's younger probably a bit more nimble but you know they teach you all sorts of things you know they teach you to play simple tunes with your right hand and then simple tunes with your left hand and so they try to teach you sort of like stretching out your ligaments to get you used to playing the piano and they want you to play with like specific fingers which is good so that uh-huh. you, you know, as you advance, you could play more complicated things the right oh, way. Oh, yeah. So that was pretty cool. KJ, of course, being KJ, he's like, F this, Beethoven. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. guess, <laughs> so, like, he goes straight to the most <laughs> complicated <laughs> thing to do. How'd that go? Did he get frustrated or was he able to, like, kind of course, hang with it? But, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, KJ is can be both frustrated and he is sort of like at the age, you know, where he's both like really optimistic, you know? And so like, we had this conversation today about like how to learn things. Right. So if, if you're, um, there's a really good book out there. I can't remember the author right now, but it's called thinking fast and slow. Right. Oh yeah. And it basically talks about like the optimal way to learn a thing, right. You engage in this thing. You go slow, you speed it up, then you slow it down, and then you speed it up, and then you slow it down. You slow down to make mistakes. You speed up to test yourself to see where you're at, you know, and you go sort of like back and forth between these things. Um, There's a lot of other stuff in the books, but that's basically, you know, the gist of like learning things, right? And so I had to sort of like break it down to KJ. I'm like, I I get you want to play this, but, you know, I think... You know, if you can master the saints go marching in, that is a win for today, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And the neat thing about this app is that it basically said that 
to them. Like I heard it say, <laughs> you should do this song that helps you with your posture, helps you build the muscles to be able to play the more complicated songs, right? Yeah. You're yeah. just like, don't need that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, Again, uh, contrarian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. It's their job. Um, and so I think, Wesley, you know, it's not going to get any better. <laughs> it's just going to get worse. <laughs> and that's, I'm I'm trying to resign myself to an extent and, and just sort of take it in stride. The, as you're talking about that, I, I was thinking of this thing I've heard of, but never really looked that closely at, which is the Suzuki method. Have you heard of this? Suzuki is a like style mm-hmm. of learning music focused mainly on violins, I want to say, mm. or maybe just originally with violins. Um, but I think it's like, you know, string instruments and then any other instrument, I guess you could do this way. But it's like they do they do sort of like try to follow the child's natural curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a little bit like a, almost a Montessori, I want to say, ish feeling to it because um, they're talking about how parents will often learn the instrument along with the child mm-hmm. and then be a kind of like learning partner with the kid. Um, so it's kind of like what you're describing um, and just sort of trying to make it feel as natural as possible. But but it has to be this incremental approach still, right? It's like, today mm-hmm. I'm going to learn this one note of my Beethoven song mm-hmm. or whatever, right? I'm going to play that note and I'm going to play it as best I can. And then I'm going to like, maybe the next day I'll put it, I'll put together a couple notes or the, the first bar or whatever, you know, the first few notes. And I'm going to play those notes like more and more. And so just like breaking down a really interesting real song but to the level that you can actually have success with Uh, that's how i've heard it described at least it's like yeah we'll play bach but we'll play just like a bar of bach a day right until we get the whole piece yeah and they actually have this function where you can sort of like pinch part of the song Mm. and play that part of the song on repeat yeah yeah so like it's really neat and i think the the problem with or not the problem with kj but some of the why KJ has sort of a hard time learning some things like long-term is because he always like, it's like the swimming thing. I can swim when he couldn't swim, you yeah. know, but like, he, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, but um, <laughs> Wesley is just so tickled oh, right now. Oh <laughs> my gosh. No, but it's so, it's so interesting, Joe, because you have such a thing about swimming too. Yeah, swimming it, like you you're like the opposite end of the spectrum from KJ. You're like I can't swim and I will never swim. Well, no, 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 no. And that's fine. I, I'm sure and KJ's if like I, I can't to. swim, but I actually can't. But I'm terrified <laughs> to say that I can't, so I'm going to say I can. And yeah. it's like this, you're so honest, but like brutally so. And he's just like so in his own like fantasy world, but like in a beautiful way actually. Like I he think is in his own fantasy world, and yeah. I think it's my job to bring him back over to reality mm-hmm. right so he's playing this part of the piano and he comes out so he's like i got it i know this yeah i'm like okay let's go see right <laughs> <laughs> so we get up there and he like misses like you know three notes he's like i did it i was like Yes, you did, dude. Like, come on. We were both watching. (laughs) And so I played it back for him. He's like, oh, well, I guess I did. I'm like, yeah. I mean, so I was like, let me hit pause here for a second, KJ. Let me just like, (laughs) like, let's look under the hood here. Yeah. Yeah. So I tried to break down to him. Now, I didn't use these words, but I tried to break down for him, (laughs) you know, schemata, right? Those Uh are the building blocks of the brain. You know, like in order to progress in a skill, you have to do well in this skill, right? Mm-hmm. Or you'll get to a point where you'll just not be able to do anything else. Oh, yeah. So he had these cards sitting on his desk. So I started stacking up these cards. <laughs> I'm like, this is how the brain works, KJ. When you're learning something, first you learn this. I put one card up. Then you learn this. I put one card up. Then you learn this. What do you think that allows you to do? It's like, well, you can learn more. Right. So then I put the cards on top. Next said, level. Yeah. <laughs> then once you know these things, you can learn this and you can learn this. And I was like, here's what you do. <laughs> so I took the two cards off that you would set the card on. Like you say you know this when you don't know this. <laughs> and then what ends up happening is when you try to stack that card, 
falls in and the whole card thing falls down. So I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to say like, if you can just do those two notes, it doesn't have to be perfect, right? But just like right enough for you to get to that next level, then I think you'll be fine. But like saying you know something when you don't know something, it's just going to set you up like to throw this app away. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's not an expensive thing to do. You know what I mean? So like <laughs> I'm invested in you being invested <laughs> in this thing, you know? So well, that's where want- we... But he did go back to his credit. He did go back and practice the Saints go marching in, got it right, and then started on Jingle Bells. Oh, yeah. Now, did he go back to Fur Elise? Yes. Of course. But it was fine. I said, shrink it down and do the first do, 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 like do that part, uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know? And once you knew that part, you can go to the other. Yeah. So. Like you want to have your stretch right. goal, of course, and, and just do. A little bit of it at a time and then you well so as you were saying that i was thinking about your magnet blocks and how those stack right versus cards house cards i was gonna go get magnet house from downstairs but it was like too far of a walk i was like let me just use these cards (laughs) no the cards fit they they fit your purpose a little better anyway i think because they're so like they're so prone to falling in the first place right they they have to be set up just right for them And I was thinking about like some magnet blocks. Well, and then I was thinking like, well, but in KJ world, you know, in a kid, in a child's world, it's totally just like Mario physics, right? You just have blocks hanging in midair. Right. And you can jump on those blocks all day and you can get coins out of those blocks and it's great. And they'll just stay hanging there. Like it's not a problem. Hanging blocks in midair or like clouds that you can run on top of. Like that's, that's the world of the child. And I think, I think it's their job to bring us to that world. Just like it's our job to bring them back to this world (laughs) like i think i think there's a give and take to be had there and just the the kinds of laughter that kids have and the kinds of like you're talking about with shelly and her tap dancing shoes just like the the way their feet just run you know and you just hear them running up and down in the house like that is such uh, i i just think such a happy thing you Mm -hmm. know and it doesn't have to like correspond to the actual reality at all i think it's just just fine the way it is but yeah, they do grow up, so you got to kind of prepare them. So so this is where we get into a bit of the debate. Like, okay, kids are great. It's fun to be around kids. They can be exhausting. On balance, they're the best thing. However, kids grow up. Kids have a world that they're inheriting, and it's not a great world. It's kind of a messed up world. has been for a long time, and it seems to be getting more so. And so what do we do as far as preparing our kids to be big people one day, you know, and, and do well in that world? And this is all that good leadership stuff that we love to kind of get to by the time we are in this portion of the episode. And we've got today a couple of takes on this. We have MSN uh, article here from an author who is named Esther Wojcicki. Um, if that name is familiar, if I pronounced it right, it's because she is the mother of the Susan Wojcicki, who is the CEO of YouTube. And then her other kids, Janet's a doctor, Anne is the co-founder and CEO of 23andMe, a big company again. And they these these daughters of her, uh, of Esther, uh, have all gone on to be highly successful, right? So she's three for three. Well done, Esther. And her article is basically saying, I raised two successful CEOs and a doctor. Here's the, quote, unpopular parenting rule I always used on my kids. And so she basically says, it's the I do, we do, you do method. So basically, you'll show them how to do something that you can do, that you want them to do. You do it together with them, and then they do it themselves. Like as soon as possible, the kid is just doing stuff for themselves. And she points out like, yeah, we're in the age of helicopter parenting. Like, yeah, we we tend to just kind of overdo it. We tend to overparent, right? Um, we're intensive, but it doesn't serve kids well. In, in fact, they are better served to just get to do stuff on their own as much as possible. Again, this Montessori kind of style where you gradually, with all the good guardrails guardrails and, and what whatnot, just like let them be their own people and they will they'll be okay. Right? When you trust kids, she says, to make their own decisions, they start to feel more engaged, confident, and empowered. Once that happens, there's no limit to what they can achieve. That's lovely, lovely sentiment. That's her take. All right. The other side. In the Atlantic, no less, comes from our old friend and nemesis Nate Hilger. Your nemesis. Who wrote, who wrote, <laughs> yeah, my I'll claim I'll claim Nate is my nemesis. 
Joe has no problem with me. <laughs> uh, the parent trap, remember? How to stop overloading parents and fix our inequality crisis. So he's got big fish to fry here in this article. He's saying basically, so this is the title, stop pretending that intensive parenting doesn't work. The data prove that kids benefit. Um, and so he goes into all that. Fine, fine. Um, so he's got data to support his side, right? All she has is three very successful. And success by what measure, right? Like arguably she may not know all of the stress and trauma that put her kids through and how they felt they had to like achieve to please her, whatever, right? Like we could <laughs> psychologize this all day. And yes, there is some, some solace in the argument that my nemesis makes that like, yeah, the government should do more to support parents, given that we need to do all this skill development, this, this teaching and this leader, this leading um, to make our kids okay, right? To, to make sure that they're okay. So what do you think, Joe? So do you, do you have a strong opinion about which of these approaches is the right one? I have a strong opinion. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> I think they're both right, given the situation. Hmm. Here's what I think I've learned. And I actually had a... Um, I don't know if I want to call it like a revelation today at Play Day Cafe, an epiphany. Yeah. yeah. But there are things that can't be taken for granted in a kid's life, right? There are things, skills that need to be built, and those skills are going to help them do better at life. And if you don't, like absent of those skills, you know, the the data says that it's they're they're going to have a pretty tough life, you know. I think, but also, you know, children aren't on an assembly line, and I think a lot of times when we talk about the things that kids need, especially when we start to talk about like race and class in this situation, mm -hmm. um, a lot of the kids, the only way for them to get what they need, especially if they're poor, is to literally hop on an assembly line of nonprofit intervention, government intervention, you know, whatever, what, whatever charitable intervention that there is to get those needs. And so they sort of have to submit themselves to those things. Uh, and those, those kids do tend to do well. So I think a lot of like uh, the space within which this argument is happening is happening within a lower to upper middle class space, right? That takes a lot of things for granted. That said, I do think that both are good. I I also think, well, no, both are needed given the situation. I think there's more of an art to it, right? Yes. Like these kids need all of these skills, right? They need all of these skills. Then you get to a point where they need to use those skills, right? In order for them to use those skills, you can't use those skills for them, right? They have to go out and um, use some of those skills themselves. In a lot of cases, the only way will the the only way where they will have either the courage or uh, their backs are up against a wall, and so they have to use those skills are when you are either not around or very hands off, right? You know, for example, like Shelly has been really trying to, for whatever reason, climb up the side of the couch using the end table to jump onto the couch cushions, right? Because oh, it's fun. You know, yeah. For her size, that's like a really hard thing to do, yeah. right? But see, but see, I don't even know if this is free range parenting or intensive parenting, right? Like a lot of times I think people just want you to just be nice all the time. And I think, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. nice works and sometimes, you know, what is nice is actually what they need. So she yes. is trying to climb over this and she looks at me, she's like, it's too high. I'm like, there's a lot of ways to solve that problem, Shelly. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. she's like, but it's too high. I'm like. Well, let's see what we have around here. You have a little drum that you could step on. You have a stool that you could step on. She's like, but I don't want to step on anything. I want to climb it. I said, well, then I guess you're going to have to figure out how to climb it. Because what's not about to happen is <laughs> I'm going to be lifting you up over this couch all day. Right? right? And, you know, she sort of gives up, walks away. But today, you know, I'm sitting here at the desk. And she got up there, put her feet up against the wall shuffled up the wall oh wow you know 
got on the thing, almost knocked over the lamp, but I wasn't going to stop her because I'm like, this is going to be huge for her. It's right? amazing. And jumped on the couch and she looked up. She's like, I did it. Yeah. Right? Like, would you trade that? You know, like, would she have that moment if, you know, I went in to save the day? No. Right. But there still needed to be that intensive part of like, you can solve this problem, right? Yes. This is something that you can do. And so I'm going to let you do it. Like you could do this or you could do this. You could do this. You don't want to do that. Okay. Well then do it your way. But it's you that are doing this, you know? Right. And I thought it, I think that works out well. Another thing today when we were at Play Day Cafe, she goes up, it's this big indoor playground and she's, she goes up this top thing. She's not even old enough to be on that. It's for the three to 12 years old, but she's like, I don't care. Oh, this age thing, they don't yeah, no one cares. <laughs> yeah. like so yeah. she goes up there and I like get this wave of panic. I'm like, let me just see where she's at. You know what I mean? So I'm like going, like walking around and... <laughs> You know, like, I think she's in this tunnel, but I can't see her anywhere. And then she eventually pops her heads out. You know, she looked a little panicked. We made eye contact. We both were relieved, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, we're good. We're back to safe. Yes. But then later, I was like, man, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if that's the right thing to do. So the next time she goes up, I just stay there, right? So then I do, I get a little wave of panic, right? So I go to see where she is, but I make sure she doesn't see me, right? Ah. I see her. She doesn't see me, right? And she stops at this like huge wall that the first time she sort of never got over it because we make eye contact. And I could tell like she's like working on something in her head. And then what's she do? Like she starts to climb it, you know? Uh -huh. And then she starts going over and over and then she starts exploring. And then her whole world opens up because mm -hmm. it's not dependent on me being able to see her from the bottom, right? Like she starts to sort of just go on her own. Yeah. And I was like, man, Joe, you got to let go a little bit, you know, like, okay. <laughs> and just let her do these things. Now, of course, I have some trauma that I have to work through around like leaving <laughs> her by herself. Right. But still, you know, like I realized that like, yeah, maybe, maybe she's, she'll be fine, you know? And I think there's a middle ground where I can see her. I know she's safe, mm -hmm. but she doesn't see me. So in her world, she's completely alone you know, making her own decisions in a very safe space. But then I had the comfort of being able to see her. Like I was like creeping around the corner, like, oh, she can't see me from this angle. <laughs> so, I mean, I know it sounds like kind of a cop-out. I lean more towards intensive, right? Yes. Like I yes. do, because I worry that, you know, the children in my life won't know the things that they need to know. I also yeah. worry that as children of color, they'll be judged for the things that they don't know, right? Um, yes. And so wanting them to be exceptional is more of a defense mechanism than anything else. Is it right? No. I, you know, no. But like, I want them to have some armor, right? Like to be mm -hmm. able to say that I know how to do these things, you know, ahead of time, ahead of schedule, and so you can't put me in this box, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, so I lean towards the intensive, you know? Of course. Yeah. Of course. Of course you do, John. You're, <laughs> you're a leader. You're a leader type person, but a very thoughtful leader. And thus what you mean by intensive, I think both fits the Hilger argument and fits the um, Wachiski argument, right? Like, mm -hmm. because like you said, you will do some stuff with her, you'll do it together, and then you'll step back and let her do it. You know, and a lot of what you're doing for her is posing the problem in a way that she can understand that she's capable of solving and that she will eventually sooner or later and probably sooner, right? Because she's super mm -hmm. precocious. She'll solve it and she'll get that incredible feeling that you haven't stolen from her, that feeling of I did it, right? Like I think that's what a lot of the intensive parents mm, are actually that's doing to huge. Like, yes, taking Wesley. that moment. Yeah. And they're saying, That's mine. <laughs> right? And all those parents like when I played soccer growing up, my parents were great. They would always go to the games. They would always cheer. They're always positive. Like support me when I'm crying because we lost. And they support me when I'm happy because I got did well. Whatever. Right? Like they were always there. But they never were like trying to tell me what to do you know, the way that they thought I should do. And maybe that was partly because they never played soccer. Like my dad tells stories of how soccer was like the punishment for kids when he was in school. <laughs> they made kids play soccer in gym class if they were bad. Like you can't play basketball, you got to play soccer. <laughs> can't play football, play soccer. Um, but, 
But it was also, I think, because they like understood that, no, this was my thing. Like This was something I was doing, and I was going to figure it out my own way in my own time. And so I, I really think, on the other hand, like some other parents that we'd see would just like shout at their kids and be like, like you could have done this instead of that, this and that, right? And and you see this in uh, in Ted Lasso, right? It's like one of the big themes is the uh, the star player has this dad who's just like awful, like he oh yeah, wants his kid to be the best, he wants him to be the best in this certain way where he's like the star and just like this huge ego thing, and it's just like ugh, but. But it's very telling, like that comes from real life. And that's not just soccer parents, although they've been caricatured that way. No, it's parents in, it's in lots of sports and across the board in lots of areas. Parents can just really try to basically like live through their kids in an unhealthy way that I think is gross and sad. And it's like, I, that, I definitely don't want that. So I think that is not what, to be fair, like Hil- Mr. Hilger, Dr. Hilger, or whoever is talking about as far as intensive parenting. He's talking about what you're saying. There's major inequities in lots of areas, race, class, what have you. And and there's ways in which we're not serving our kids well if we don't prepare them with uh, at least like a toolbox of skills and mentalities that's going to help them face some of these uh, injustices in the world. And and good for good for that, pointing that out and saying like, we've got to do something about this, this is like a major... <laughs> policy concern potentially and and certainly a, a major like interpersonal social concern and um and and i think there's a lot to be said for that and i still haven't read the book so i can't you know say too much about the the nitty-gritty of how i disagree with him but i will just say like i i am very very leery of the intensity side of things and i'm much more am temperamentally drawn towards the the free range side of things i wouldn't go full free range. I think that's kind of nuts um, given the world that we're in. But I, I I would say that I ascribe to some of that follow the child's natural interests, let them sort of set the tone for how they're going to do stuff. And there's definitely places where this is super frustrating. Like, you know, he doesn't want to get a diaper change because of course he's still wearing diapers because of course he doesn't want to use the potty right <laughs> like there's certain things and if by by good i've heard stories like steph tells me these stories are going around reddit of kids come into first grade and they're not potty trained and that's i extreme. don't know what that is is that is that too much intense parenting where the parent is doing too many diaper changes for the kids too much free range parenting where the, the parent is too hands off and not like trying to push their kid to get out of diapers whatever that is it's sad that's a shame that is horrible and rotten and and those parents have failed as far as i'm concerned unless their kid has <laughs> tell me how you really feel Weston. <laughs> i think is unless their kid has some sort of other thing going on right they've got some major other stuff going on that should not be a thing in first grade you've got to be able to use the potty that's how i feel about that and and so just to kind of come back full circle here like if what the kid wants is good for the kid then great, then everything's good. If what the kid wants is driving you crazy as a parent, right? And you're still changing their diaper when they're five and six <laughs> years old, then that's not okay anymore. Right? Like you're going to have to hurt the kid's feelings a little bit at that point, And you're going to have to do something a little different. So yeah, I, th- those are my, like my, probably some of my deepest fears as a parent is like, I am being yeah too, either too harsh in some moments, right? And like scolding, when I should be more patient and listen to what he's saying. He's got this toy and he won't give up the toy as we're leaving daycare. And I'm like, look, this this is a daycare toy. You've got to leave it here. And he won't give it up and he won't give it up. And so eventually I just take it from him and give it back to the teacher. And we leave and he's like furious for a long time. And eventually he explains like, oh, his friend like gave him that toy. But, but I had to put my foot down. Like you can't just like take things from the school where they're for everybody to play with. Even though a friend gave it to you, it doesn't mean you get to keep it, right? Like there's, and so those, I think those tears he had to shed, like you can't just take stuff. On the other hand, sometimes maybe I'm just being a little too lenient with stuff. And, you know, maybe we really should have buckled down and done our potty training this summer. Like I said, we were going to, and he'd be out of diapers by now and everyone would be a lot happier. (laughs) Yeah. It's just a balancing act. I think, like you said. Yeah, it is. And you know, what's interesting about the, intensive parenting article is that he threw shots at the free range parenting woman. Oh, like very personal ones. Yeah. She said that (laughs) she made her kids 
do math sheets every day after camp mm -hmm. over the summer. And another summer, they had to write essays every day that summer. I mean, so what do you just, what do you do with that? And I think it goes directly to the point that I'm trying to make. Like there are skills you are needed to be successful. If you take the time to learn those skills, you can range wherever you want, you know, <laughs> like, but, you know, when it's time to learn this skill, you know, it's time to learn this skill. But there are points um, like today at Playdate Cafe, um, some of the kids were a lot older, there weren't very many toddlers there. And so there was this, Shelly really wanted to play with the balls and the balls were, these little balls were all in this play area where you put it in and it shoots it out to the other side. Those oh, kids were all a little older, right? They were all like five or six. And, you know, Shelly is slower than them. She can't oh, yeah. get the balls fast enough, you know, and, you know, she could get a couple, you know, but they want to use the guns. And and I'm having this internal dialogue, like, like, do I go up to this kid and be like, hey, yeah, she had it first, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> or do I just let her deal with it? I chose to just let her deal with it, you know, and, you know, and she's pounding and stuff. And I was like, well, you know, you could go to the other side or. You know, like <laughs> there's something else to do. You know, I mean, I think the point is for me, it was just like, you know, that was something she needed to um, handle. Right. And I think that she can handle it. Like I see her handle it with her older cousins. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe because it's a new kid, she doesn't want to. And that's fine. But that's it's her worth, choice. Right. Like, I can't, like yeah. maybe it'll work this time. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know. She's way past pouting with her older cousin. She's like, mm -hmm. give it to me. <laughs> you know, like, um, I'm like, okay. Um, so I think it was more the newness of the other kids. And I mm -hmm. think this is going to come up again and again and again. And she's going to have to make some decisions. Like, am I going to get steamrolled here? Or am I going to stay on my ground? Right. And of course, I'm like, you know, you could, you could, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, you know, it, it's really about like what she's comfortable with. And then maybe debriefing a little later, right? Like, but that was hard to watch, right? Like, and that kid isn't a bad kid. He's a kid, right? Like, and oh, they yeah. have to like negotiate these things and like learn how to do these things. And so I had to tell myself, that's not a bad kid. He's an older kid throwing his weight around, you know, and that's what happens. So, you know, Shelly's either going to have to rise to the occasion or the older kids get the balls man <laughs> you gotta teach her some of those tricks though too like she knows the pouting trick and that's a mm -hmm. good that's a powerful trick on some people um yeah. generally not older kids though right so what's right. the thing that that older kids can get you know can effectively get them to do what you want well i don't know like maybe she has a good joke that she tells like, yeah. william's really into telling jokes mm -hmm. um, but he's so shy around other kids he doesn't usually tell them to other kids so yeah so there's i think it just it doesn't take time and having to have those interactions with other kids yeah and then also which, she kind of brought it on herself man. like the kid was trying to teach her how to put the balls in the thing oh yeah and she was moving slow and she was all <laughs> you know and he's like all right i'm playing man i'm gonna yeah yeah time for these two-year-old shenanigans <laughs> and it's like you know keep up shelly you know uh-huh uh -huh. but it was really sad i, I did want to just go hug her and like take her into the car I'm like finally meet this place you know but it is what it is it's tough it's hard out here that's true so it sounds like no lasting harm no lasting mm -hmm. damage and that's that's another good like rule to bear in mind <laughs> yeah <laughs> if there's if there's lasting uh, trauma from something then that was that was a little too free range that was right. a little too <laughs> intensive but that's impossible to know right until way after the fact yeah so we're going to err on the side of them yeah building up some armor through these little interactions and we'll i think we'll revisit this topic again in other forms because it is definitely uh, proving to be a, a pretty central theme here where Joe and where Joe and I, we agree in some ways we disagree in other ways, maybe yeah. just in our approach yeah. a little bit. And you know what? I think part of it too, Wesley is like, we just have different personalities, you oh, know? For sure. And you know, why, you know, go outside of like your base sort of like, you know, personality also keeping in mind that like, there are sort of like, factual things and there are things that like maybe you can adjust a little bit you know in mm -hmm. yourself but also you know be yourself i think with your kids yeah. you know like well, yeah yeah 
I've got to I got to build my cards on top of the triangles that I have made okay. over here, <laughs> and you're going to build your cards on the triangles you have made, and we'll see we'll see yeah. if these uh, card towers eventually connect somewhere along the line. Right. I think. I mean, will. eventually we'll be comparing um, Williams and Shelley's grades. Uh, oh no, I, better. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I, I, I like the anecdotal pieces. That's yeah. for sure. We can continue to compare till the cows come home. Yeah. But data, I just, I don't know. Data. <laughs> it's, it, it pretends to be so objective, but I don't know. But okay. So it? this is a topic for another day. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. All right. That's a, I think that's a good, what is that? 11th episode. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. Us. Way. All right, folks. Well, it's been a great one. And Always a good time. We will. See you next week. Tunnel. 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 Tunnel.